Welcome to Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, with guest speaker Bob Liza. Not going to cover anything new here today. We're going to talk about stuff that we all already know. We may well have forgotten about it. We might not look at things in a certain way. But it's, think of this as it's a reminder for me because stuff falls out of here all the time. If I just see you in the morning and I don't say, hey, good morning, Bill. If I say, good morning, it doesn't mean I don't care. It's mean this doesn't work. So one of my favorite Christian musicians, a man named Jeff Moore, he's from Indiana, not Michigan. I thought he was from Michigan, but he's from Indiana. Has a song in which one of the lyrics says, Lord, help me to remember what it is that I believe. I cannot tell you how comforting it was for me to hear somebody else say that. I hear precepts, I hear stuff come out of the word through our pastor. And three days later, it's gone. Lord, help me to remember what it is that I believe. It was really encouraging to me to hear that somebody else felt that way. And also that they could word it so short that I could actually remember it. And so... So all that, I just said all that to let you know that what we're going to do today, this is nothing new. This is stuff we all know, but I believe occasionally it's good to have a reminder of where we've been. So please bear with me. This is mostly for me, because a lot of this stuff I knew and had forgotten until I started studying again to do this. So who has an idea of what the best known bit of scripture might be. John 3.16. What is it? I have a story about John 3.16, which is probably completely inappropriate in this context. Before I was saved, I spent one Thanksgiving at a friend's house I set his deck on fire. So here's a life hack. I actually wrote it down and I highlighted it. Do not deep fry your turkey on the deck. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, Thanksgiving, I'm over, I'm over at Ted's house. We're watching the football game. Big surprise on Thursday, on uh, Thanksgiving, right? And somebody holds up a sign. John 3.16. I had to go look it up. I was not saved. I didn't know that verse. Another one that I thought my people might think is a very well-known verse. We've all memorized it, but we haven't memorized it. I'll, 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 I'll give you what I'll give you. I'll give you this microphone if you know what verse John eleven thirty-five is. I'm, I'm giving away the church's stuff. Jesus wept. I knew that one again just because I could remember it. I had to look up the verse reference yesterday though because here's one. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I learned that one because as an unsaved person I would sit down and try to read the Bible and I would start at page one. So I got to read that one a lot because I usually made it about three pages. Any other, any other ones anybody can think of? You, you saw my notes. 
Here's one. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Anybody? Anybody? Going once? I'll start. I promise you, you know this. Our Father, art in heaven, would be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as John 6, 9 through 13. That is where we are going to be today. Most of us, I was, as a child, I was largely unchurched. I'll give you an idea. Complete transparency. My mom paid me to go to church. So before you kids get any wild ideas, Dylan, not pointing fingers, but Dylan, I got paid 35 cents to go to church. <laughs> Tabitha's guest. <laughs> so I was taught, and I had to memorize, the King James Version. I don't know who's where on what. I like to use King, New King James now. But bef before we get into that, I do want to point out, there is another version of this prayer in, in Scripture, and that's in Luke 11, 2 through 4. The first slide, please, Rebecca. He said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. I forgot there was one back there. <laughs> and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's a little different, but you get the idea. As I said, we're going to be in Matthew today. In the new, I'm using the New King James. We were all, I'm going to, you, you all are going to be talking, speaking up here. This is not all on me. As I said, I'm starting out with a dry mouth. So some of you all are on the hook too here. Slide two, uh, the next slide please. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We all know these words, right? This isn't new to anybody, is it? I know them. Anybody, am I the only one in the room who has tried to recite this prayer for time? How fast can I get through this? We say it. We say, <laughs> you guys, you're done. Your, your portion of the show is done. <laughs> okay, everybody can participate except Tabitha. <laughs> this is the trouble corner. So... We tend to get wrapped up in the structure, the meter. As, as the, the, we very often say this prayer together in a group. We, we pay attention to the time and the words and the and and, and the, the the structure of the prayer. When's the last time you studied it? 
When you last time? When's the last time you paid deep attention to what these words mean? First, a little context. One of my favorite sayings. I've heard it attributed to a bunch of people, so I'm not going to attribute it to anybody, but not myself. A text without context is a pretext. The context is this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5:1, we are told beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is a prayer for disciples. William Barclay is one of my favorite commentators. He actually calls this the disciples' prayer and not the Lord's prayer. He goes on to say, and this one's kind of lengthy, the Lord's prayer is a prayer which only a disciple can pray. It's a prayer which only one who is committed to Jesus Christ can take upon his lips with any meaning. The Lord's prayer is not a child's prayer, as it's so often regarded. It is, in fact, not meaningful for a child. The Lord's Prayer is not the family prayer, as it has sometimes been called. Unless by the word family, we mean the family of the church. The Lord's Prayer is specifically and definitely stated to be the disciple's prayer. And only on the lips of a disciple has this prayer its full meaning. To put it another way, the Lord's Prayer can only really be prayed when, a man who pray, when the man who prays it knows what he's saying and he cannot know that until he has entered into discipleship. That's a quote from William Barclay, one of my favorites. He's not, I don't have the William Barclay trading card, but anyway. What does it mean to be a disciple? Anybody? The word itself means we're to be learners, we're to be pupils, we're to be followers. Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you want to learn from him, from, from his words, from his life, from his ways? If you are, congratulations. You're in the right place. When my mom had me learn the prayer, we didn't start at the beginning of the verse. I'm sure I'm not the only one there. We always started with our father. But the very first, the beginning of verse 9, it says on the third slide, please, Rebecca, in this manner, therefore pray. In this manner. Is Jesus telling us to quote these words through blind repetition, blind memorization? No. It's the first time I've heard Tony say no to me today, but it will not be the last. He's giving us a pattern. This is a model for a prayer. That doesn't mean it's wrong to quote it word for word, not by any stretch of the imagination. But we can learn from the pattern, the way he has laid out the prayer. And, and so, so again, in this manner, therefore, pray. I've completely gone off. I'm carrying them around, but I'm not even, I don't even know what, anyway. The pattern is, first, we're to recognize God for who he is. Then, and only then, do we bring to him our wants and our needs, our petition. We also confess our sinful nature here. And that we need forgiveness. We are all sinners, saved by grace. 
we will then declare our reliance on him and his power and only his power can help us and lastly we return to praise praise is the bookends of prayer next our father in heaven hallowed be your name I love this before we even get to the rest of it what's the first word our it's not my father he's not your father he's not their father he is our father and who is those of you who have uh, 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 read word Bibles who's saying these words Jesus is saying our father to his disciples This tells me we're all in this together. And not just us. And not just the church out there. Jesus is in it with us. Our. He's on our side. I can't speak for anyone else, but I get a lot of comfort from the idea that I am our with Jesus. Now, if the Father is our Father, what does that make us? Family. We are His children. We are brothers and sisters. Jesus is telling us that. It's not a stretch. We're not going, this is not deep theology. This is just the words. By using the plural our also, He's encouraging us. Can you be our if you're by yourself? He's encouraging us to get together. To not forsake the coming together. Our Facebook folks can't see this, so we can say this. It's just between us, right? The next slide, please, Rebecca. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And here's another one of our well-known verses. Some of y'all might have memorized this. It's, next slide for this, Rebecca, is Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Again, going back to Barclay, I told you he was a favorite. It's very significant that in the Lord's Prayer, the words, I me and mine never occur. It's not about me. Okay, so that's the first word, our. <laughs> Told you it wasn't going to be as brief as the last one, but anyway. Now we get to Father. For some of us, many of us, even the mental image of father is not particularly appealing because I believe that God knows the end from the beginning he tells us that somewhere I believe that Jesus knew that my image of father might give me a hard might be difficult for me to envision a loving father 
So he didn't stop at the word Father. Our Father in Heaven. He's clearly saying, this is not your earthly fathers we're talking about here. He put that there for me. It's not my Father in New York. He is our Father in Heaven. No matter our personal experiences with our earthly fathers, we kind of understand what a role in a child's life should be. We have some terrific fathers here at Calvary. And please, you younger folks, seek them out. Learn from them. We have some great role models and examples here. I lost my... I told you I was going to lose my place. <laughs> well, if, if these guys here are so fantastic, how much more... I even had it in yellow and I still missed it. How much more then is our Heavenly Father? David Guzik, one of Pastor John's favorites, says, when we say Father, we use a privileged title, demonstrating a privileged relationship. It was very unusual for Jews to call God Father because it was considered too intimate. Father reminds us Father reminds us of our relationship to the creator of the universe. We are subordinate, yet still intimate. And guess what? He knows us as a father knows his son, and he still loves us. And many of our, in my case, he loves me in spite of what he knows about me. Now we can move on, Rebecca. Thanks. <laughs> I love this. I really do. The word we see hallowed here literally means to make holy. Oh, Got to hold it away. To make holy, to set apart unto God, and apart from the world. This is one of the verse. Anybody else read commentaries? And commentators disagree with each other. This is one of those cases. Commentators disagree. And by the way, those of you serious Bible students. Commentary is not scripture, just saying. In this verse, some commentators see this as a request. Others don't. It's not, may your name be hallowed. Some say it's a request, a petition. Others say it's a command to us, the disciples. Just pointing that out. While we certainly would ask that folks don't simply use God's name as they do other names, and we hear it every day, don't we? I find myself, my opinion, thinking that the, of this as an instruction to us. Set God's name apart from all other names. The Malachi slide, please, Rebecca. Malachi 1.11 For from the rising of the sun even to its going down my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations says the Lord of hosts. We have any veterans in here? Veterans? In the UCMJ, what is shall? Is it a suggestion? No. 
Shall is a command. It will be. Hallowed certainly helps me wrap my head around the idea that the Father in this prayer is not my earthly Father, but my heavenly Father. And He is separate and apart from worldly things. Tony and I used to attend a church that was really big on the, and I know you all have heard it, probably used different words, Jesus, friend of sinners, school of thought. Jesus, our friend. I'm going to hear no after this, I promise. Tony says, it is not God my homeboy. He is God. He's my creator. He's my savior. He's my Lord. His name is holy. Next, Rebecca, please. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First thing we notice about Jesus' requests is that he's praying for the Father's will to be done. Your kingdom. At the time, we talked about it a little bit last week, the Jews were anticipating Jesus to build his kingdom on earth, right? To defeat militarily Rome. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Last week, one of the verses we discussed. Next, please, Rebecca. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. What do we usually... How, how do we... Okay, how do I usually pray? If I had to be completely honest, my prayers are very often pretty selfish. What do I want? What about me? What are you going to do for me, God? I don't even do it consciously, but what if I have to be honest, that's very often where I land. I could say... My will, not yours. Lord, help me to stop that. The problem is, I struggle with actually what doing God's will might mean to me. You, sometimes God asks hard things. He asks a hard thing in, in this prayer, and we will get to it. Somebody wrongs you, how, how easy is it to forgive them? Sometimes, anybody ever pray for patience? <laughs> What's the first thing that happens? God gives you something to be patient about. Your will be done. The next part of the verse, he talks about his kingdom. I'm looking at the clock. This is a heavy subject. It was of the greatest importance to Jesus. 
Next slide, please, Rebecca. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is John the Baptist. Who is who is he to Jesus? Cousin and friend, right? His friend has been put in prison. It's not the little jail here. This is Roman prison. This is serious prison. This is big league. Is Jesus trying to get him out of prison? Or is he off preaching the kingdom of God? Your kingdom come. Jesus is telling us this is one of the things we need to be praying for. And if that's not enough, this one actually, I had to, I, I had, when I found this, and I did not know this until yesterday, I had to push my chair back and take a break. Next slide, please, Rebecca. Now, when it was his day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, what did he say? I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Why? For this purpose I have been sent. Sound like that might be important to Jesus? That sound like it might be important to the Father? Father, thy kingdom come. Seems to me, I'm going to have to read this, because if Jesus was sent for the purpose of preaching the kingdom of God, us praying for that very thing to come, us praying for the fulfillment. Imagine this. We are praying for the fulfillment of one of Jesus' prayers. It seems to me this is a beautiful opportunity for us to actively participate in the gospel story itself. To me, this was huge. For this purpose, I have been sent. And he's asking, Jesus is asking us to pray for his purpose. My goodness. Starting to feel like it's maybe not the children's prayer we all thought. Next, Rebecca, please. <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The coming of his kingdom and his, his will being done... These two things are inextricably entwined. Can't have one without the other. Back to Barclay, and he says it this way. To be in the kingdom is to obey the will of God. The kingdom is not coming, or the kingdom not coming is not his will. And his will not being done will prevent us living in the kingdom of God. As it is in heaven, happening here on earth. This sounds pretty good to me. The two go together. Next, please, Rebecca. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread. What do you think of when you hear the word bread? Communion. Any hippies? Any reformed hippies? Money. 
there's a devotional called the daily our daily bread is that it i've got a good firm answer as to what bread is in this context i don't know david guzik says when jesus says bread he means real bread as in the sense of our daily provision what after would Jesus, after all the stuff he's already he's taught us about his kingdom and God's will, and would he just start talking about bread, white bread, rye bread? I actually made my own pun. Would after the depth and breadth, come on, that's funny, of what has gone before in this passage, would Jesus talk about something as mundane as bread, like simple sandwich bread? I can answer that with a question, which means I'm not answering it. As we get closer to finishing up, how many of us are mulling over what's in the fridge for lunch after church? How many of us are thinking about where we're going to go, who we're going to go with, what we're going to order? Jesus is God, and Jesus is man. He walked among us. He knows that these day-to-day, unexciting, mundane, uninspiring things are on our minds. Very much on our minds. And I believe he's making an allowance for that. Give us this day our daily bread. Those little mundane, day-to-day, what's-on-the-menu worries are covered, aren't they? He's saying, pray about it and move on. Interesting. Oop, I jumped a line. It's okay for us to pray for the little things, provided we've put what before, before that, His will, His kingdom, a recognition of who He is, our heavenly Father. Then we can pray for our needs and wants. The pattern is coming clearer. How are we to pray? The word here that's been translated as daily, the original meaning was sustaining. So bread that sustains. Give us this day bread that sustains. So it's very possible that this might be more than just Wonder Bread. Or maybe Wonder Bread with a capital W. We, we challenged Rebecca here. Couple of the other interpretations of this. Next slide, please, Rebecca. The bread of the Lord's Supper. Some commentators say that the bread that he's talking about here is this the bread and the wine. The bread is my body. Certainly, certainly is a possible interpretation. Next, please, Rebecca. Our daily bread, the devotional. Some people refer to the Word of God as our sustaining bread. It gets us through the day every day. There is nothing wrong with interpreting that way. The next one, Rebecca. Some commentators say the bread is Jesus himself. And we use John 35 as a, 635 as a reference. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Sustaining bread. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Presenting you 
three different things that I found. The last time I spoke, remember, I urged everybody to be Bereans. Be Bereans. Dig into the Scriptures. Learn. Learn for yourself. Don't believe what I have to say. Seems to me that all of these interpretations could be applied, and I ask you to prayerfully consider all these. It doesn't have to be an either-or. Very often in Scripture, the Lord gives us more than one meaning. It could be any number of these things in a combination and so on. Next slide, please, Rebecca. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Believe it or not, this is the part of the prayer that really got me interested in digging into it. It helped me, this is the part that helped me realize that this is anything but a children's prayer. When I was taught the Lord's Prayer, and I heard somebody say it when we recited it earlier, I was taught to say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So I dug into Scripture, and guess what, folks? I could not find a single translation that said that. Mom was wrong. But again, those of you who know me know I love words. I love context. I love the English language. Anybody got a Bible open or an app open in front of them? Can you slide down to verses 14 and 15, please, of Matthew 6? And what's it say? After the traditional ending, I don't know how many of you could hear it, after what we consider the traditional ending of this prayer, Jesus goes on to say, if you forgive others their sin, your Father will forgive you. Dylan's checking on me. <laughs> you can't find verses 14 and 15? One, four. Context is everything. He is talking about not just our debt. Don't humiliate him. That's my job. <laughs> he does it to me enough. Context makes it clear. Jesus is talking about much more than our financial debt. Much more than what we consider when we hear the word debt. Much as I'd like to go home and call the folks at Visa, the Bible says to forgive my debts. It's not going to work that way. I'm also a big fan of words. And there's a very important word in this verse that we generally just gloss over. When's the last time anybody, any of y'all looked up the word as in a dictionary? It's when we just skip, right? I do. Tony and I are fortunate enough to have a 1859 Webster's at home. So I looked up as last night. 
Noah Webster, in 1859, defined the word as this way. Like. Even. Similar. And also, while. So, and forgive us our debts like we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts while we forgive our debtors. What's it mean? We will be measured with the same yardstick we use to measure others. Like we forgive, we will be forgiven. While we forgive, we will be forgiven. Remember that God's will sometimes is hard thing? This is where the rubber meets the road. How easy is it when somebody for no good reason other than they're a rotten human being hurts you? How easy is it to forgive them? I don't want to. But it's God's will. And I'm praying regularly that His will be done. Next slide, please, Rebecca. We're getting to the end, folks. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First, we're going to take a little rabbit trail. Oh, goody, a rabbit trail. The Baptists will beat us to the buffet. Yay! Anyway. These last three petitions, stand by for a sermon in the English language, these last three traditions are eternal. They cover all of time. The one in verse 11, our daily bread given to us today. That's the present. That's right now. We are praying for right now. The next one, verse 12, the past. Our debts, the sins that we have committed, our debts that we have accrued. The future where we may be tempted, how we will be delivered, will be. This prayer is eternal. All of time is taken into account. Now, a little bit about temptation. I struggled with this. I have in the past. Lead us not into temptation. Will God lead us into temptation? Then Jesus was led by who? Spirit. The Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. I'll take that as a yes. God would lead us into temptation. That was Jesus being tempted. This prayer helps me recognize that Jesus, fully God and fully man, he was the only perfect sinless man, was tempted. So why would I expect myself not to be? We're praying for the help of the Heavenly Father. When we think of temptation, usually, most often we think of a sexual context. But in our daily lives, what are we most commonly tempted with? 
little stuff, big stuff. Speeding, anybody? Speeding, going once, going twice. <laughs> We're violating the law. Guy in front of you, man, you're tempted to let him know he's number one when you're going past too, aren't you? White lie on my time card at work. It's too hard to put in the paperwork making the correction, so making the correction. So I'll just let it slide. I'll make up for it later. It's a temptation. The forty dollar bit of income you got for your income taxes last year. It's it's really hard to put it on there after you've forgotten. So we'll just let that slide. These are all little things, right? Or is it not enough giving the, the enemy an opportunity, a toehold, a foothold? What's the difference between overlooking a $40 bit of income and a $4,000 bit of income? A couple of zeros, and they don't, zero doesn't mean anything, right? The cashier misses something in the bottom of the cart and doesn't ring it up. I won't say leaving your cart in the parking spot is a sin, but please push it to the little cart corral. Thank you. The enemy will use any of this stuff. And yes, it's little picayune, largely doesn't matter to anybody stuff. But it gives the enemy a toehold. It matters to God. The world is looking at us, particularly right now, folks. Our world, our nation, this time, this place, the world is watching us. Us disciples, us believers. They are waiting for us to mess up. And even if they're not going to publicly post it, where you did this, that, or the other thing, they're seeing it. And they're thinking, well, if that's righteousness, why should I not do whatever? Heavenly Father, please deliver us from evil. Next slide, please, Rebecca. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Anybody know what amen means? So be, it. so be it. His kingdom. His power. His glory. We end as we started. Recognizing God for who He is. And giving Him the glory. A couple of quick notes and we're done. A note from David Guzik. There is some dispute, and this is a technical Bible study thing. There is some dispute as to if this doxology is in the original manuscript that Matthew wrote, or if it was added later by a scribe. Guzik says, and I agree with him, the idea, because the idea certainly fits, we should regard it as Jesus truly said it. Prayer takes three forms. Worship, precision, Petition, intercession. And Chuck Smith finishes his commentary of the Lord's Prayer with this thought. All three of these are brought forth in this model prayer for Jesus. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Intercession for the kingdom. Give us this day our daily bread, a petition for my own need. 
Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That awe, the wonder and glory and greatness of God, the worship. Notice, prayer begins with worship and ends with worship. I can think of no better way to finish. Heavenly Father, help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers, as we walk out of here. Help us be true reflections of your love and light to the world and those around us. We'll close with Amen. We'll close with a song. Thank you all for your time. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.